Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We are in a collection of talks of these 21 days called Back to Life, and really helping us get back to what Jesus says in John 10.10. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Believe it or not, I don't want that for your life. Maybe you grew up in a church that felt like all these people want to do is destroy and burden me and steal my joy and give me more things to do. We don't want that for you at Local City. We want the second half of that verse where Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. Jesus has come to give you not only life, but life to the full. So today's message is this is not about me. This is not about me. Now that's a great title. And I can't wait to lean into it, but I'm going to ask you for a little bit of stretching today, a little bit of patience today and open-heartedness as we step into what this means. And as Livia said, we kind of had a recap statement of two of the things that we say at the beginning of every year. And one of those statements that I want you to write down today is that every new year we have the choice of one day or day one. One day or day one. And I believe today, if it's your first time in church or your first time back in a while, that this can be day one of a great breakthrough in your life in a new season. That this can be day one of God doing something new and special in you and your marriage and your relationships and your family. It could be day one. Or we can leave this room and continue to say, ah, that was great, but one day I'll do it. I would encourage you that one day will never change your circumstances. One day will never change the relationship that you have with God going to that deeper level. Saying one day over and over again will keep you in the same place. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing more frustrating than being stuck in the same place year after year after year. And let me give you another thing. People say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I feel like sometimes we approach our faith that way. That we just do the same thing over and over again, and then we're like, we get to this place, why is nothing changing? Well, because I haven't changed anything in a while. And so today could be day one where I change some stuff. And the best things that we can change and invest in is our spirit, because again, this can be your best year yet if it's your best year spiritually. This could be your best year yet if it's your best year spiritually. And I love this idea that we are invited to grow in our relationship with God. I love that if you look at Jesus' life, all the time he is, he is inviting people to take a closer look at who he is and the full life that he has for them. He is always calling people out of the crowd. If you're familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, you see Jesus walking down the road, big crowd of people, but there's this little short dude who climbed up a sycamore tree, and Jesus in the midst of the crowd says, hey Zacchaeus, guess what? I'm inviting myself over to your house tonight. I'm having dinner with you. I'm bringing all my friends, so you better be ready. Always calling people. Imagine if that happened to you. What? I got to clean some stuff. It's been a little while. I haven't had people over. Got to get the room ready, right? Got to go to Publix, get some groceries. Fridge is empty. You'd be ready, but you would know that it's because Jesus is coming into a close proximity of you. 
and I want to be ready. I want to take this chance and get this opportunity to know him more. And I believe when you invest in these things and you choose that day one and you choose to build your spirit, God will do some great things. Last night, because of some great people in our church, my wife and I, we got to go to the Lightning game and they won. Come on, cheer them up, Lightning fans, come on. If you don't go to hockey games, you should because they are awesome. It's very cold for a native Floridian. Anything under 60 degrees is freezing for me, which is why I wear my jacket here even when I'm speaking. Uh, But we went last night and it was awesome. And we got to sit like, real close. <laughs> like, it, we were in row H, which I'm used to, like, row double A, right? You know, which is the back of the back. And I remember when I used to, you know, when I used to go in the early days, I would sit, like, in the 300 section. I would sit, like, mid-level, and I would say this. I'd say, you know what? I actually prefer sitting up here because I can see the, all the ice at once, right? I don't have to go back and forth. And then I've had opportunities to sit really close, and I've been like, yeah, yeah, this is way better. Like, this is definitely the way to go. Like, I can feel the ice shards coming off the ice. I'm here ready to catch a puck. It's actually what Adrian, my wife, said. She's like, are you gonna catch a puck, protect me if a puck comes this way? Yeah, because I'm definitely gonna catch it and keep it. So I'm gonna protect you, obviously, right? But you just, you're, you feel like you're right in the game. They're right there. When there was a lot of fights last night. When they're throwing punches, you're like, yeah, let's go. You just feel like you're so much closer to it. And I feel like for us, when it comes to following Jesus, we have that 300 level approach where we're like, it's good up here. I can kind of see everything. I don't have to really go back and forth a lot. It's an easy view. It's an easy vantage point. But I'm still in the game. I'm not in the game. I'm still in the stadium. I'm better than if I'm watching on TV. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is inviting you down to closer levels today with him inviting you into a closer connection with him, where you can see him clearly, where you can feel the power of what it's like to walk with him, where you can feel what it's like to fully surrender to your life, for your life to him, and know that when you speak the name of Jesus, something incredible and powerful happens. Like I love the passion of our worship team singing that song, because we're just not speaking a lyric in a song, we are speaking truly about the name of a person who gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven and set free, so we could have a relationship with God God again, so we can know that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. So when we sing and lift our hands, we can know it's not just an empty religious thing. It is filled with power and peace and relationship because God's in this room. Come on, if you believe that today, I need you to wake up a little bit, local city, and help me out. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my voice. (laughs) And I got a wedding later, so I can't lose my voice, all right? Got to officiate that thing. Um, But anyway, what I was saying about this idea is that even though it's nice to sit in the 300 level, sometimes we got to be willing to push through the crowd and get a little closer. My fear is that at some point, maybe we're here now or in our life, it was funny, when I was typing out this title on my notes, uh, I actually did a little typo or the computer auto-corrected where I didn't have it say, this is not about me, it said this right here up on the screen, it said this is now about me. And I took a breath and I was like, man, how many times in my life have I approached my relationship with Jesus that way? Where I've said, oh yeah, you know what, God loves me and this is now about me. It's about God helping me, God caring for me, God looking out for me. And I think at some point we have to realize that that is not at all the invitation that Jesus made to us. And if we were to be honest with ourselves in this moment of reflection, we would say, yeah, I really don't want life to be all about me. 
I actually do want to live helping others. I actually do want to live in response to the greatest commandment that Jesus ever gave, love God and love others. So it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about trusting Jesus, and I know that through that, he will bring that full life into my existence, into my experience here. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12.10. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Paul just getting right to it. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I love that last phrase, which is why I bolded it on your notes, is that when you serve God and when you follow Jesus, there should be a little bit of joy in it, all right? I gotta tell you, I grew up, and I've told you this before, I grew up in church that as soon as you walked in, it was a no-fun zone, all right? Like, I felt like laughter was not allowed, smiling was not permitted, right? They just wanted you there, dressed nicely, ready to go. And one of the biggest breakthroughs in my life was realizing that actually one of the greatest gifts, it's even a fruit of the Spirit, that Jesus gives us is joy. To serve the Lord enthusiastically, like this is awesome. We had people, I tell you this all the time, we had people here at 6.30 in the morning unloading our big truck, setting up church for you, and they did it with enthusiasm because they knew there was gonna be at least one person in this room who needed to know that God loves them, that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Can you give a little shout out to our home team today for making church happen? But I wanna tell you, like, listen, I don't want you to walk out those doors feeling like, man, I gotta do so much stuff. (laughs) What the heck, that pastor was just berating me with it. No, 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 no. I'm saying this is the way to live, and it's awesome to love God and love others, to serve the Lord enthusiastically, knowing that I can't believe I get to know God, that I can't believe I get to show his love to people around me, that I can't believe I can live with this much passion, this much purpose for something that is bigger than me. Like, this is awesome. This is world-changing. This is worth giving my life for. I don't want to just pretend to love others. I just don't want to pretend to do it and go through the motions. I want to really love them. And I think those two phrases, that, that those two words that are said later in this verse are a little lost in our today's Christianity, where it says, never be lazy, but work hard. I think the thing that is worth our work more than anything is the cause of Jesus. If you look at the life of the disciples after Jesus gave his life and ascended to heaven, every single one of them worked hard to continue to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Every single one of them gave their life physically in death because of proclaiming and telling the good news of Jesus and building the church. And we're called to work hard. We're called to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's what I want you to write down today as we get into the heart of the message, is that I'll never get the best of what God has to offer until I give God my best. I'll read it again as you write it down. I will never get the best of what God has to offer until I give God my best. And I don't ask you this question to make you feel insecure. I don't ask you this question to pressure you. 
I believe sometimes questions are what can lead us to that next breakthrough in our life. Ask yourself today, am I giving God my best? Am I giving God my best? And I gotta tell you, I've been following Jesus for a couple decades now, been a pastor for almost 15 years, which is kind of crazy to think about, and I've, it's been hard, but I've loved every minute of it. But I ask myself this question consistently, am I giving God my best? Because guess what, God always deserves my best, and there's always new levels of my best in my life. And for us, I think, listen, if we continue to give God what's easy, what's convenient, you will miss out on that full life that Jesus has for you. My goal as a pastor is just to help you experience the full life that Jesus gives you. I can't give it to you, but I wanna keep telling you how to have it. I wanna keep telling you how to receive it. I wanna keep helping you see it in your life, in your marriage, in your family, to know that, man, I'm giving God my best and I'm seeing his best move in my life. And sometimes we think God's best is just an easiness of life. Maybe, but sometimes I think God's best is even through the difficult times. We know why we're here. We know what we're doing. We know who God is. We know the power of Jesus and the strength of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what I love about Jesus is he's always speaking to these things, right? So in Mark chapter nine, kind of our text for this morning from scripture, it's, we pick up with Jesus and the disciples, putting the disciples in their place. I always love when this happens because sometimes I need Jesus to do that. But in Mark nine, verse 33 through 37, here's what Jesus says. After they arrived at Capernaum, and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Now just stop right there. I love this little parent feel from Jesus because I do this with my five-year-old son, Shepherd, all the time. I'll hear him be loud, being loud in his room, knowing he's doing things maybe he's not supposed to do. I'll be like, hey, buddy, what were you doing in here? And his immediate reaction is, uh, nothing. <laughs> like, uh, what I'm supposed to, right? So Jesus obviously hears the disciples talking about what they're discussing on the road. And when they arrive at their destination, he says, hey guys, what's going on? What were you guys discussing on the road? And I love this, I mean, scripture has some real funny things in it. I love those lines, but they didn't answer because they were like, oh, he knows. Like, he heard us, right? You ever had like, you had like a private conversation about someone and then that someone's like behind you or they hear it and like, oh no, we weren't saying that. It was another Ryan we were talking about, right? But Jesus says, what are you talking about? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the, the greatest. Isn't that funny? Now at this point, the disciples had seen Jesus raise people from the dead, had seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with just a loaf of bread and a couple fish, They'd seen him make the, the lame walk and the blind see, turn water to wine. They had seen him do all this stuff, and they're arguing about who's the greatest. Isn't it funny how we could be so close to Jesus and still argue about, let's just be frank, stupid things that can fill our conversations? Who's great? And then he sat them down, and he called the 12 disciples over to him, and he says, whoever wants to be first must take last place as a competitive person, this hurts. Must take last place and be the servant of those I like. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Be a servant of those who agree with me. No, be a servant of everyone else. 
What I love about this conversation, it's number one, I just love the awkward. I mean, just imagine you are one of the disciples and Jesus says, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they say, well, we were talking about this. And he says, okay, well, if you want to do that, I love that he says, hey, listen, ambition, nothing wrong with that. Pursuing a goal, nothing wrong with that. But if it is out of pride and out of selfish gain, it will mess you up. If it is out of your own desires, if it is, if it is out of a this is now about me approach, it's not going to work. The only way the strive for greatness works is with the sacrifice of knowing I'm out here to serve others. Building a church, building a business, building a family is great, but if that is the only goal, you will miss out on how those things can begin to serve and bless those around you, how the greatness of those things can allow greatness in the lives of others. Every sports team would tell you that it's not great players who make great teams, it's great players who make their team around them great that achieve great things. We have to lean into that when it comes to following Jesus. Then I love how he closes it out to really kind of again say, hey, disciples, here's what I got for you. He says, then he puts a little child among them. And he says, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. So the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. And then Jesus, in that day and age, a kid was just a kid. Like they were just seen as a little kid. They were seen as more honest, honestly more like property until they grew up, until the age where they could do something because it was a big service culture then. And so Jesus says, hey, you see this little kid that you don't think greatness can come from? This is how you have to approach your life now. One of humility, one of joy, but also one of a posture of young and pure and understanding that I am only here because of Jesus. And he places them in front of them and says, you wanna be great? You've gotta not worry about yourself anymore. You wanna be great? You've gotta be humble. You wanna be great? You've gotta be willing to serve those around you and assume that not as just action, but as a posture and identity. I love this from one of the pastors that I follow, Rich Wilkerson Jr. Here's a long quote from him, but it's really good. It says, the path to greatness is through service. And the road to purpose is going to be difficult. However, we should find joy in the roadblocks ahead because our moments of breakdown are someone else's breakthrough. Even our wounds become someone else's wisdom. We shouldn't feel discouraged that there may not be anyone to cheer us on because as we serve, we are clearing the path for others to find Christ. And because of this, our eternal rewards will be great in heaven. I love that quote. Like, this, my life is about serving you and caring for you. If you want to have a great marriage, a little marriage tip before we get to February, you want to have a great marriage, a great relationship, be committed to outserve the other one, not to outneed the other one. It's not interesting how that is our first reaction. You don't meet my needs. Okay. Well, how can I serve you better? How can I serve? How can I be there for you? Same way with God. God, you don't meet my needs but how can I serve you better? How can I trust you a little more? And I wanna help you, I wanna help you do these things. I wanna help you find that best life spiritually. I want you to lean in to the powerful things that God has for you. So let me give you three quick things, really quick, about how you do this. How do you make this life not about you? How do you make that full life that Jesus offers you a reality? Well, the first thing is, is make my relationship with God public. Sounds kinda crazy, 
But people need to know that you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus. If you haven't yet, we'll make that invitation for you at the end of service. It's one of the things that we love. But don't just keep it to yourself. You gotta at least tell somebody. You know what happens when someone sees a great movie or finds that new hidden gem on Netflix that they want, that they think is great? They want everyone else to watch it. You gotta see this, it's awesome. But somehow with Jesus, we've moved it into this place of like, well, I don't wanna push my religion on them. I don't wanna push my beliefs on them. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm not, let me just tell you, I'm not pushing my religion on you. I'm not pushing my beliefs on you. I'm pushing what saved my life on you. I'm telling you that I would not be here without Jesus. I'm telling you that I would be broken and messed up and sometimes because of the insecurity and anger and fear that I dealt with as a teenager, I question if I would be here. So when I tell you hope has a name and that name is Jesus, I'm not pushing anything on you. I'm inviting you to experience the same life change, the same love of God, the same power that is available to you. Come on, if you feel that, if you're confident in that, let me hear you today. If this helps you, let me know. Some of us, I feel like we've been stuck at a, a hard place in our relationship with God because we just don't tell anyone that we go to church. Or we don't tell anyone about Jesus and what he's done in our life. You gotta make it public. Let's go. When businesses go public, they ring the big old bell. Don't do that. Don't like get a bell and be a little crazy like that. But do tell people. Do tell people. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is, is here where we're gonna celebrate you. So I believe, it shocks me how many people who have followed Jesus and love him still have not done this. If you have never done this, I would ask you as an adult, when you knew what was happening, you need to be baptized. And in two weeks, when we go to two services, we're gonna have baptisms during both services. Throw the slide up there. Baptism Sunday, coming up January 28th. If you have never been baptized as an adult, this is not should I pray about it. This is God telling you through me, be baptized. If you have said yes to Jesus, text water, that it couldn't be simpler, text water to 97,000, fill out the form, and we're gonna celebrate you on January 28th. We're gonna celebrate what God's done in your life. I love Baptism Sunday. If you have not been baptized, sign up today, right now. Text water right now, because you gotta make your journey public. You gotta let people know. The old me is gone, the new has come. You know what happened in the early church? Again, Jesus has given his life, he's ascended to heaven, and the church is about to be built in an incredible way. The disciples grab a hold of what Jesus says when he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. One of the greatest things Jesus says, the disciples take that and run with it. And one of the apostles that runs with that is Peter. And he gets up and speaks this message about Jesus, about hey, you gotta trust Jesus, you gotta give your life to him. And it says that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus today, but they didn't just give their life to Jesus and Go about their day the same. Here's what it says in Acts 2, 41 and 42. It says, those who believed what Peter said were what? Baptized and added to the church that day. They went public. They said, you know what? I wanna make the decision and I wanna make it public. You know what happens when you make something public? It becomes more real becomes because it's out in the open. And sometimes we don't go public because we're afraid. Sometimes we don't utilize things like social media or inviting someone to church because we're afraid. Can I tell you? You don't have to be afraid because God's gonna use your testimony to bring people to know Jesus and there is no better experience in your life. Be baptized and then, it doesn't say just be baptized and then go about your way. It says then they were added where? To the church. Sundays are not optional for a follower of Jesus. Sundays are, I gotta be there. 
I gotta tell you, today was a day I needed church, and it was a crazy, crazy morning. But I knew I was gonna be here, and it was gonna reset my spirit. It was gonna fill my spirit. Here's the whole idea. Write this down for me. It's to demonstrate my changed life and to let the world know I belong to Jesus. To demonstrate my changed life and let the world know I belong to Jesus. Yesterday, Shepard, our five-year-old, he started a very big milestone for him. He started flag football. He was super excited. And one of the things he was most excited about was that he was going to get his jersey the first thing that we did when we got there. Because he was like, oh, can't wait to have my team name. And I wish he was on the Bucks, but unfortunately, even though it's a nice bright yellow shirt so it's easy to find him, he's on the Steelers, which is okay. I know Pastor Joe's a big Steelers fan, woohoo! But we live here, all right? So, but, he, but he was excited, he was excited to put it on. He put that thing on and started walking around like so big. He has cleats on. He was like, yes, I'm ready for this. It's funny, as a dad, I'm like, oh man, I miss those days. And I could definitely kick some butt in some five-year-old flag football, right? <laughs> like, like I was ready to go on the field, I was ready. But I love that Shepard put that on. He was ready to demonstrate that now his life was changed because of this bright yellow Steeler jersey. Some of the kids on the team had a mouth guard, and he was like, can I get one of those tea things? And I was like, yeah, I'll get you one. You know, he wanted one for that reason. And then it lets the world that, like, what do you do with a jersey? I'm putting on something new. I've changed clothes, and now it lets the world know which team I belong to. Let's go. If you, you got to know you belong. It sounds silly, but you belong to Team Jesus. You don't belong to team anything else. You belong to Team Jesus. I don't wear a jersey that says Ryan with my face on it. That would be horrible and people would laugh at me behind my back. I wear a jersey that says I'm on the team of Jesus and I want you on the team because it's the only team that is worth fighting for and fighting with. My life has changed because of Jesus and I belong to him. Now, how do we build on this though? Stay with me real quick, we're finishing up. How do we do this? The second thing is we have to realize that we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. You gotta make that change. At some point, you have to make this conscious decision realizing this is not about me, this is about contributing to the life that Jesus has given me and contributing to the house of God that I am called to be added to. I'm contributing. Jesus is always telling the disciples, hey, let's go do something. Let's go heal some people. Let's go teach some people. Let's go serve some people. Let's get out and do something, and that's how we're gonna change the world. What does Jesus say? The first invitation that he gives to Peter, he says, hey, come follow me, and I will what? Make you fishers of men. Not come follow me, and I'll give you your heart's desire. Not come follow me, and you can just consume, consume, consume. He says, hey, Come follow me and I'll show you what a life of purpose is all about. Come follow me and I'll show you why you were created to bring people to know God and then serve them so that others can come to know God. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling and each of you should use whatever gift you have, whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that Peter is saying this, because if you know Peter at all, you know like that dude was not really a servant leader at all when he was following Jesus. He was all about, yo, let me go first. Yo, Jesus, let me, there's even an instance where Jesus, or Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, hey, Jesus, I don't think you wanna do that. And then Jesus calls Peter Satan. <laughs> like, like, get behind me, Satan, you're messing with my purpose here. The thing is, is Peter's constantly trying to 
Assume the understanding that they thought Jesus was going to be this conquering leader who was going to give them positions of power, which is why they're having that greatness debate. But isn't it awesome that Peter, again, through that question, am I giving God my best, his posture, the way he lived his life, the way he approached his life changed to this, where he writes towards the end of his life, above all, not about you. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality. Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Here's the thing, local city, write this down. The only greatness that matters is kingdom greatness. And we reach greatness in God's kingdom through service. The only greatness that matters is, why is the only, matter, the only greatness that matters kingdom? Because the only thing that's gonna be eternal is kingdom. One million years from now, we're not gonna talk about the things that we built physically on this earth financially on this earth, even relationally. We're gonna be talking about the things that we did that were a beautiful representation of God's kingdom, that helped people see God's kingdom. We serve and we build it, and there's nothing better to give your life to. There's nothing better to build your marriage on, to build your family on, to build your business on. The only greatness that matters is kingdom greatness. And I gotta tell you, even as a pastor, I have to be reminded of this. Because it can be quickly, well, you know, what do I want? No, what does God want? What does God want? I believe that's one of the most freeing questions we can say to ourselves. What does God want to do? And I, wanna, I do want to reach greatness. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know that in God's kingdom, I reach it through service. How do I serve those around me? I love, um, again, I, I'm using Shepherd a lot. I use a silly, I want to use a fun example with him. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Adrian texted me. She was like, hey, he comes early with us because we just want him to love the house. We want him to love the church, and he does. He loves it so much. And he loves coming uh, because he loves serving with what he calls the strong, strong guys team. You can't use one strong because it's not enough. I have to say, Shepard, you ready to go serve on the strong, strong guys team? There's a volunteer here on our home team who helped my little son see how awesome it is to serve and help set, up, set things up. And one morning, band, you can come up. Uh, one morning, he overslept. I don't know if you ever tried to wake up a five-year-old, they're like, it's like they're dead. Like, it's, you know, shake them, we gotta go, buddy. But he overslept, and so my mom brought him later to church. And Adrian texted me, she said, hey, Shepherd's out here in the hallway crying. I don't know what's going on. Can you come help him? I wasn't teaching that day, so I ran out to talk with him, and I was like, what's wrong, buddy? And he was crying, and he was so sad, and I said, what's wrong? And finally, I got it out of him. He said, I missed serving on the strong, strong guys team. <laughs> And I held him, and I hugged him. I said, I love you, buddy. And I whispered, and you gave me a great message illustration for a few weeks. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't actually say that. I, I, I did think it. I did think it. I didn't actually say it, but I didn't think it. Because it is a great message illustration, because at five years old, he realizes how important it is to be here. I don't know. I would just tell you to have the approach of a little child just like Jesus did. When he says, hey, you got to approach the kingdom like this, rather than like, oh, man, I'm glad I overslept. I didn't want to go anyway. <laughs> I just got to tell you, like, I just don't think that approach and posture as an adult is going to lead to great kingdom greatness in your life. It's not about me. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How we do this, the last thing as we close, is that we choose to build and bring to God's house quieter, just a little bit of band for me. We choose to build and bring to God's house. Why? You can write this last thing down, and then I want you to grab that other card that you were given today. It's because we are the church. 
and we exist for the world. We don't exist for the community that's inside these four walls. We exist for the empty seat that's next to you to be filled with someone who needs to know that Jesus loves them and cares for them and has hope for their life and that they can be in this moment forgiven and set free. And so, you know, in a couple weeks, not putting on the pressure to do next week, but in a couple weeks, we're going to two services because God's grown our church and it's been awesome. And we don't go to two services just to say, hey, look at us because we wanna, we wanna make room for more people. That's why we're doing that. Because we are not here, again, just for this community. We're here for our city. We're a local city church. Isn't that nice how that works? What I want you to do, I want you to today as we close in the next few minutes, maybe during the closing worship song, before you get up, I want you to pray about the two names that God would have you put on this little card that is strategically entitled, Bring Two to Two. That doesn't mean you have to go to both services, but on the day that we go to two services, I would encourage you to bring two people with you, one for your left and one for your right, because you got two arms to bring people to Jesus. One of my favorite disciples you never hear about is Andrew, because all he ever did was bring his brothers, Peter and James, to Jesus, and they never heard about him again. Like, I would love to be an Andrew that has brought two people to Jesus who changed the world and has continued to do that. Write those two names down. Pray for them over this next week. Pray for them over these next two weeks. And say, you know what? I'm gonna make sure that they are in the house on Sunday, January 28th. We're not doing that for numbers. We're not doing that to fill seats. We're doing that to remind ourselves that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And that story can be changed in an instant when they're in the presence of God because of a friend or family family member or even stranger who invited them to church. Bring two to two. Build the house. Bring to the house. I would also encourage you to join the home team. We're the home team that wins every Sunday. We're hoping for a Bucks home win next, tomorrow night. We're the home team that wins every Sunday because we're the church and people show up every Sunday who need hope. And I wanna encourage you, meet me. I'm gonna be out in Connect Corner today. Come meet me. Say, hey, I wanna serve. Awesome, fill out this card. Let's get you living that full life. And I'm gonna end with this quote. I know today was a little heavier. But honestly, if things are never heavy, you never learn how to grow. You never learn how to lift more. You never knew how to put, push more. Life's not about me. Life's not about us, church. We are the church and we exist for Jesus who loves the world, who gave his life for the world. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come to give my life and serve. I've come to give my life and serve those who need Jesus. And if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. Serving is beneath you. You will never live the full servant leader life that Jesus offers you today. Would you close your eyes with me? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.